get your Bibles and open your Bible to the book of Esther, chapter 8, just before the book of Job, Psalms, and Proverbs is the book of Esther. I thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you making the journey, even though uh, you may have uh, faced some difficulty in getting here. I appreciate you coming. I actually didn't know what would happen. I didn't know how many folks would be able to come, and I'm so, uh, so glad you did. Now, as a token of my appreciation for your coming, uh, if you'd like, you may take home a bucket of snow uh, on your way out, and uh, you can have that. And uh, anyway, all right, it's a little bit loud, and I'm uh, ringing just a little bit. If it's not out there, it is up here. Now, I want to ask that no one leave the service, all right? I want to ask no one leave the service. If it's an emergency, and I mean an emergency, that's not your cell phone ringing, all right? If it's an emergency, I don't want you to get and walk out during the preaching. And when everybody, and if you're out in the hallways, I want you to come in right now, and I want you to stay in. I want you to hear uh, the message this morning. Esther chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse number 8, and we're going to read three verses where the Bible says, Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month of Siban, on the three and twenty uh, on the three and twentieth day, twenty-third day of the third month. The Bible says, and it was written according to all that Mordecai uh, commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and the rulers of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia and hundred twenty and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing, and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Now, the difference in a camel and a dromedary is a camel has two humps, and a dromedary has one. It's a smaller form of a camel. I want to preach this morning as we close the conference. This is an emergency. This is an emergency. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us, that we would hear the truth of the message. Lord, I depend on you. I yield my life to you and ask that, Lord, you would use me as a tool in your hand as we close the conference this year. May you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was a teenager, I recognized that I had a very important decision to make sometime uh, around my junior, senior year of high school. That decision was, what will I do with my life? What am I going to do? What direction, what path, what career? Now, think with me. Uh, You are there today. You must uh, make a decision at some point in time what you are going to do. 
I had many thoughts as a young teenager. I thought uh, for a while about uh, being an attorney. I attended and would go to the court and would watch the work of the judges and the lawyers and all that went on there, and I had interest in doing that. I had for a little while interest. Now look at me. Uh, when I preach, I want you to listen to me. I don't want anybody, I don't want any talking, uh, no cell phones. I want you to look right this way. I thought about uh, working uh, in construction. I thought about uh, uh, military. I thought, what career uh, would I choose? And I took this very serious. I took a very serious decision. I, I wanted to do something in my life that would make a difference for good uh, in my life and the life of others. I did not want to simply exist for a job to work, uh, food to eat, a car to drive, and a few games to play. I saw life as far more important than that. I'd also seen the tragedies of life. I had seen teenagers killed because of sinful choices. I had seen broken homes and the hurt and pain that came to those in those homes. I wanted to make the right decision. In 1980, I turned 16 years of age in August of 1980, and it was at a conference about this time in March of 1980 uh, I attended a conference like this, and I heard something that gave me an option in addition to attorney, military, or whatever career, uh, whatever direction in life I was going to go. And uh, I, I got so excited about this new opportunity, and it was more than just a career. It was a fire that began to burn in my soul. I'll come back to that at the end of the message. I want to tell you this morning one of the most amazing Bible stories in all of the Bible. There are four characters in the book of Esther. First is King Ahasuerus. He is a wicked heathen ruler, but he is the most powerful man in all the world. He is the ruler of the entire known world. There were 127 provinces uh, that were included in his empire. There were several languages and cultures within that 127 uh, provinces. It is a large, a huge distance from India to Ethiopia. The second person in the story is Esther the queen. Esther is the second wife of King Ahasuerus. Thirdly is the character of Mordecai. Mordecai is a worker in the palace of the king. He was somewhat like Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, if you remember, was a cupbearer to the king. And uh, it seems that uh, Mordecai worked in the court or worked outside of where the palace was. And so we have Ahasuerus the king. We have Esther uh, the queen. We have Mordecai uh, who works for uh, the king. And he is also the uncle and adopted father of Esther. I believe that it was in the third uh, siege uh, or the third time that prisoners was taken captive uh, that Mordecai and Esther uh, were brought from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
it seems that in the first or the second time uh, that Esther's parents uh, were killed and uh, she took uh, and she took Mordecai uh, her uncle as a father and so uh, they're very close the fourth character in the story uh, is an arrogant kind of a fellow and his name is Haman Haman is uh, a Hazaris chief of staff or uh, we could call him the prime minister uh, of the kingdom of Ahasuerus. And so there are four characters. There is Ahasuerus, the king. Uh, let me uh, have uh, a little bit of help here this morning, and I'm going to choose uh, a king for our story uh, right here. And so if you'll come right up here, if you will, and uh, just sit right here, you're going to be Ahasuerus. You're the most powerful man uh, in the world Hurry, the Lord's coming. And because you are the most powerful man in the world, if you'll stand, uh, we're going to put a uh, robe on you. And uh, have this just a moment. We're going to put a... You better hope you didn't work in the palace, son. They'd have killed you already. (laughs) All right, we're going to make a... King here. This is Ahasuerus. You ever wore a hospital gown before? That's why some people don't wear a robe. They can't get it over their halo. All right. Don't get a job at the hospital. All right. All right. There are two things. Doesn't he look good? This is a Hazaris, and this is his sword, and this is his all-powerful ring. Any law that is written, it will be sealed with this ring, and when a law was written in the days of a Hazaris, that law could never, ever be changed. And so we're going to put this on uh, uh, your finger right here. And Ahasuerus, you may be seated. If I can have this lady right here, this gal right here with the glasses and blonde hair, if you come up here, you are going to be Queen Esther, all right? All right. I had to find a very pretty, shy girl, all right? All right, just put it on over your head. There you go. This is Queen Esther. Very good. You'd do better at getting a job at the hospital than he would, all right? You remember now to hurry that the Lord is coming, all right? And while Esther gets dressed, uh, I need that chair right there. All right, good. We're going to put this right here. And uh, we're going to have uh, Mordecai, okay, right here. It's the smartest role you've ever played. <laughs> Sit down right here. You didn't, it, you're not getting baptized. You don't have to take your clothes off, all right? <laughs> Do 
There's one sleeve for each arm. <laughs> I'm too small. There we go. It'd been easier to be curly. All right. Right here on the end. Hey! All right. I need that stool right there. And this is Mr. Arrogant. Stand right there, and I want you to look as arrogant as you can look. All right? All right. One day there was a problem. Haman, when I called your name, would you stand, please? There was a problem one day when Haman, the king's prime minister, went outside and all of the government workers bowed down to him except Mordecai the Jew. When I say your name, would you stand, please? (laughs) Haman, keep standing. What do you want me to do, hang you? Stand up. As Haman passes by Mordecai, Mordecai does not bow as do the other Jews. Haman passes by Mordecai. And Mordecai just stands there like he doesn't even see him. And he goes back over there to his place, and Haman is very angry. And so, you may be seated, Haman is so angry that he devises a plan to have all of the Jews, everyone that he knew was like Mordecai, killed. At this point, nobody knows, nobody knows Esther is a Jew as well. How did I get a smart guy like this and the three dumbest guys? <laughs> Esther is a Jew, but Ahasuerus does not know she is a Jew. He just knows she's a beautiful uh, uh, lady and that the Bible says that he loves her, all right? You may be seated. Now, Haman goes to <laughs> Haman goes to the king. <laughs> and he tells him, he stands in front of the king, and he tells him that there is a group of people throughout the land that will not obey the king's laws, and uh, they are a problem, and uh, they are the Jews. Now, Ahasuerus knew who these Jews were. He knew that the former uh, king had brought captive the Jews from Jerusalem, 
and that there were many who had returned to Jerusalem like Nehemiah, but uh, 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 not all of those Jews returned and they feared that there was going to be a problem and Haman hated the Jews and so he asked the king if he can rid the land of these people who are a threat to his throne. And so the king takes his ring from his finger. He gives him his ring and he tells him... All right, and he tells him to write a decree that decrees death to all of the Jews, and they will be executed on the 13th day of the 12th month. Now, this is January, all right, or the first month of the year that this takes place. And so he writes the law. I have a copy of the law right here. And uh, the law is written, and Haman, you're going to stamp the law with that ring. You're going to stamp the law with that ring. And the decree has been written the 13th day of the 12th month. Every Jew in in the 127 provinces are going to be killed. Not one is going to be spared. And so, Haman, if you'll give uh, the king his ring back, and if you'll walk back in your arrogance to your arrogant stool over there and uh, stand there, and uh, the king is seated, and he does not understand all of what he has done and certainly does not understand that Esther, his new beautiful Esther, his new beautiful bride... He does not know that she is a Jew. Do you know who knows she is a Jew? Mordecai knows that she is a Jew. You may be seated. And so, as the story unfolds, it is amazing. It is an amazing story. Now. Mordecai, you remember, he is a government worker. Uh, He is a worker in the palace. He gets word of this plan to kill all the Jews. And he goes to his niece Esther... And he, Esther, and he tells her uh, that she must go before the king and do something to prevent this terrible thing that has taken place. And if she doesn't do something, she and all of the Jews are going to be killed. They had some discussion. You'll find the story in chapter 4. And Esther makes one of the most amazing statements. And uh, what a powerful statement it is. She says, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, I'm going to ask all of my maidens to pray and fast. You let everyone know to pray and fast. And when the day comes, I'm going to go before the king uh, to seek some help for our people. And she said, if I perish, I perish. You may return to your places. She then devises a plan to tell the king what is going on. And so her plan is uh, she is going to invite the king and she is going to uh, invite his prime minister uh, to come to a banquet. Now, dear friend, when the queen puts on a feast, there is going to be a big deal. And this is big stuff. And I'm going to tell you, as arrogant as Haman is, 
as arrogant as Haman is, he is filled with pride because he is going to get to go and sit with the king and the queen at this meal that has been prepared, and she is going to make a statement. Well, you may be seated. She tells the king and Haman uh, that she wants them to return tomorrow. And at that point, she will give them her request. Now, I'm not sure why uh, she didn't tell them the first day. Uh, Maybe just because she's a woman. Maybe there's not a reason Uh, she's just a woman, and she says, tomorrow I'm going uh, uh, to tell you uh, what I want you uh, to know. Well, old Haman, uh, let's come back over to the banquet, and uh, this first meal has ended Haman. And uh, Haman, uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, you are the prime minister. You're a very arrogant prime minister here. And everybody, and especially the government workers, uh, they have to bow when you walk by. You're so excited because you got to eat with the king and queen, and you're even more excited that you get to come back tomorrow for yet another delicious meal. And so on your way back home, you cannot wait to tell your family uh, what the king and the queen has done, and you get to come back tomorrow. Move your chair back just a little bit more, K.I., uh, if you will. And uh, so on your way back, of course, everybody is going to stand and everybody is going to bow to old Haman. All right. So we're going back home and everybody is standing over here. Everybody is standing. Everybody is bowing. Everybody is bowing except, except Mordecai. And it makes Haman so cotton-picking, stinking mad that he absolutely can't stand the fact that old Mordecai will not bow down to him. You may be seated. You all would make very good government workers. He goes home and he tells his wife, I had the most delicious meal you've ever seen. And I want to tell you something. We were sitting with the king and queen. I mean, in her private dining area. And it's so exciting. And and tomorrow, I get to go back again. And I get to eat with them again. But you know what bothers me? On my way home, everybody stood and everybody bowed like they wanted, like they're supposed to, except old Mordecai. And Mordecai just would not bow. That guy makes me so mad I can't stand it. He makes me so mad I can't sleep at night. I've got to do... I know what I'll do. I'm going to build a gallows. And I'm going... I already have a decree. I mean, every Jew is going to be killed on the 13th day of the 12th month. But I can't wait for December. And so I am going to build a gallows and I am going to hang Mordecai from so high in the air that everybody in the land is going to know of my power and my arrogant strength of Haman. And they're going to know that I hate Mordecai and I'm going to hang him from the gallows. You may be seated. Boy, this is an amazing story. That night, King Ahasuerus... He goes to bed, but he cannot sleep. He can't go to sleep. 
He, he just can't rest. And, and, and perhaps it's because of the banquet the next day, or maybe he's trying to figure out why she delayed it till tomorrow to tell him, and he's trying to figure out women. I don't know. But he can't sleep that night. And so he says, fellas, I want you to bring the newspaper in here, uh, the Chronicles, and I want you to read the Chronicles uh, to me. And so uh, uh, Hazaris, he sits down in his lazy boy chair, and he is now trying uh, to rest. His head is laid back, and uh, his, he's not asleep yet. Uh, he's not asleep yet. Uh, and so he is sitting there, and he is trying to relax. And so they bring out the newspaper, and uh, they begin uh, to read the story. And they read a story. It's interesting to him. One of his government workers had actually saved his life some time back. There was a fellow by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai heard two men outside talking, and they planned to murder the king. But what happened was Mordecai, he told the king of the plot and the king's men, and they not only saved his life, they killed those two sorry rascals that had planned to kill the king. Well, old king Ahasuerus, he couldn't go to sleep now at all. He stands back up and he said, what did we do to recognize this fellow or to honor this fellow? We ought to give him something. We ought to give him something and let him know how much I, the king, appreciate Mordecai for saving my life. What a night. Now, we have Haman. He's at home. And the gallus is being built. You can hear the wood, uh, the hammers. You can hear the workers. And that gallus is going up. And he's going to hang old Mordecai. Mordecai doesn't know what's going on in Haman's house. He didn't know that the, uh, that the gallus is being built. Over here, the king, he couldn't sleep last night because he can't figure out women and can't figure out why she's waiting until tomorrow to tell him. But he has the newspaper read to him. And he reads a story of how Mordecai, back some time ago, had saved his life. And something needs to be done to recognize him. Well, the morning has now come, and Haman comes over here, and he stands just outside the court. Inside, Ahasuerus is pacing, and he is thinking, I wonder what we could do to recognize Mordecai. Boy, that guy saved my life. Hadn't been Mordecai, uh, uh, I'd have been dead now. I've got to figure out some way uh, to honor this fellow. Hey, uh, is anybody out in the courtroom? Hey, Haman, come in here. Haman, I couldn't sleep at night. And, uh, you know, I've got somebody on my mind that I really want to honor and I really want to recognize. You know who Haman thinks he's talking about? Oh, arrogant Haman. He thinks he's talking about him. He has no idea. He's thinking about that guy over there. Now, over here, we have the gallows that's being built, and Haman is going to have Mordecai hung. And uh, he can't wait to see him hang in his dirty hide, rot in the sun, and the buzzards come to eat him. He can't wait. Over here in the palace, the king's been trying to figure out what's he going to do to recognize this very special guy. And he asked Haman, he says, Haman, what could we do to recognize one of the most important men uh, in all of the palace? Haman says, I know what we ought to do, thinking of himself. We ought to get one of your best robes, one of the king's robes. 
and we ought to put that on him. And we ought to get your horses and your chariot, and we ought to lead him through the streets and let everybody recognize how great he is. And we ought to put a herald out in front telling everybody who this was. And Haman's thinking of himself. The king says, that's a good idea. The king says, that's a good idea. The king says, I can't hear you. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. It's a real good idea. Oh, arrogant Haman thought about it. So, Haman, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get Mordecai and put a robe on him of my closet and my horses and my chariots. And, Haman, I want you to walk in front of Mordecai and tell everybody what a great man that he is. Now, can you see this story right here? You stand right here, and uh, you've now got on a very nice robe instead of that ugly sissy robe you've been wearing. Wait a minute. (laughs) Right here. And uh, you're now sitting in the chariot. You're now sitting in the chariot. And Haman is saying, all hell to Mordecai. He is so weak and so arrogant, he can't hardly bring himself to say it. Say it again. 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 You're liking this, ain't you, Morty? All right, sit down right here. Now, you talk about a bad day. Haman has had a rotten day. Open your hand up. He's had a bad day. He's had a terrible day. Mordecai has had the best day of his life. He can't believe it. Haman looks at his watch. You know what time it is? Yes, sir, 11.23. You know what time the banquet is today with the king and queen? No, it's at 11.30. And it takes six minutes to get over there. You better hustle. And so the king is sitting in his chair. And the queen is sitting in her chair. And before them is a beautiful meal. And here comes arrogant Haman. He is so humbled. He is so shamed. And he sits down here before the royal court. And he sits on that first step right there. And, uh, and, and, and the king says, Esther, what is it that you wanted to tell me about? And she says, King, there has been a law written that all the Jews are going to be killed. And Ahazaerah stands up and he says, yes. And she says, Ahazaerah, my love. I've never told you this before, but Ahazaerah, I am a Jew. Oh, my goodness. The king finds out the queen that he loves is a Jew. And this rotten, sorry scoundrel, he has written a law that says every Jew, including his beautiful wife, is going 
to be killed. You dirty, rotten, picker, packer, slatter rip. But there's a problem. He's already sealed it with his ring. Show him your ring. And the law cannot, cannot be changed. The law cannot be changed. He gets so mad at what this sorry scoundrel has done, and he finds out from the queen, she knows everything, she read on Facebook last night that a gallows had been built to hang her uncle Mordecai. You know what the king says? I'm not going to hang Mordecai. You know who I'm going to hang? That's exactly right. Come here, buddy. And so they lead him away. Your arrogant days are over. Your arrogant numbers are over. And he is finished. You're over. Out the door. Get out of here. We hung you. But we have a problem. But wait a minute. We still have a problem. The law has been written. And the law cannot be changed. So, the king calls for Mordecai. And the king says, Mordecai, the law cannot be changed. However, another law can be written. I would like to write a pardon for all Jews... And I would let them, I want to let them know, and you can write this any way you want to write it, Mordecai, to protect my beautiful wife and Queen Esther and all of the Jewish people. And so he writes the decree. He gives him his ring. And he seals the law And the pardon has now been written. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Be seated. It's March. It's March. There's 127 provinces. It goes from India to Ethiopia. There's more than one language. D-Day is the 13th day of the 12th month. And we are now March 23. This is an emergency. He calls for the scribes. He calls for his workers. And he says we must translate this pardon into every language so that everyone will know that any Jew who will receive the pardon does not have to die. Now, here's a message. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then the Bible says He came not to condemn the world because the world was condemned already. 
That law cannot be changed. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. The truth is, every person alive on every continent, in every nation, in every city, of every, in every state, in every nation, the death decree has gone out. But wait a minute. While that law cannot be changed, the king has written another law, and it is a pardon of salvation. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, we've got an emergency on our hands. It's the 23rd day of March, and we have until December the 13th for this to be put in every language, for this to be delivered to every province, to every land, to every people. And I'm not telling you a story. I'm telling you the truth, dear friend. The time is short. Jesus and judgment, they're coming soon. And we need men and we need women who'll say, I'll take a horse or a mule or a camel or a dromedary and I'll take this wonderful gospel message and I'll let them know that yes, the decree of the king has been sent and all men are condemned in their sin. But yet another decree has been written, signed by the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I ask you, what are we going to do about it? I wonder how many folks in China haven't heard. I wonder how many folks in Asia haven't yet heard. Now, everybody knows that death is everywhere and you don't live forever. But do they know a pardon of life has been given? Do they know that they can have eternal life? This is an emergency. Do the people in Mexico know the pardon has been written? Has anyone put it into their language and delivered it to their province? Has anyone taken it yet to Thailand? Has anyone taken it yet to the parts of the world that they don't even have a copy? Hey, this is an emergency. Who in your city has not yet heard? Who in your town has not yet heard? Do you know what this youth conference is all about? Do you know what Commonwealth Baptist College is all about? Do you know what Clays Road Baptist Church is all about? And do you know what your church is all about? It's about letting folks know that there is a pardon of redemption that's been written by the King and sealed by the blood of His Son. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to sit there? Are you just going to sit there and let a world go to hell without even telling? I mean, you're going to let those buses just sit there? A bus that we need a driver for. A bus that we need captains for. A bus that we need work for. This is an emergency. The day of reckoning is coming. It's the 13th day of the 12th month, according to the king. And dear friend, I want to tell you something. I don't know if we have nine months left. I don't know how much time we have left. Well, I came for the fun. Well, you found out that folks are dying and somebody's got to do something about it. 
You, you found out that we are in a state of an emergency. What are we going to do about it? Who's going to give them the pardon? I sat there. A 16-year-old teenager. And I heard the man of God say, The mighty are fallen. And I heard him say, And the men you see on the platform tonight will before long all be in heaven. It'll be your responsibility. We're there. All of those men that night that sat there, they are in heaven. And I decided... Well, this this is more exciting than being a lawyer. I'm not against lawyers because I'm not against lawyers, but but I'm saying I just tell you what happened in my heart. I said, man, this is better than being a lieutenant or a corporal or a sergeant or a general. This is more important than that. This is an emergency, and I can make a difference for the cause of Christ. And so I said, Lord, let me go. Let me go. Thank God now, for nearly 30 years, He's given me the opportunity not only to preach the gospel, but win many to Christ. And the purpose of Commonwealth Baptist College, it's not a Christian business. We're not trying to make money from the college. Our time is limited. Somebody has to tell the world. Somebody has to let them know the decree of judgment has been declared. But the pardon of freedom. Is available. I want you to stand quietly with me, if you will. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What are you going to do about it? Maybe you're here and this week God's been speaking to your heart about being a preacher of the gospel. You've been thinking back and forth. I've been thinking about this career. I've been thinking, what about this emergency we've got on our hands here? I wonder if there's someone, you, you, you've been fighting with this thing of fully surrender to Christ. Maybe it's time now you go ahead and sign up and realize, hey, we don't have 15 years for me to fiddle around. We've got to get at it now. You may be here today listening to me, and there was a time last year, two years, or five years ago, you surrendered your life, you gave your life to God, and you went home and you took it back. Today, you ought to find a place and you ought to rededicate yourself to God. You let some girl pull you out of the will of God. You, you, you let one of those things that Brother Davis preached about get you away from the call of God on your life. Hey, listen to me. The callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't change His mind about calling you to service. They're going to play the invitation song. There's emergency on our hands. What are you going to do about it?